of Eight Sides Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 10th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 18th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I am excited that we, again, are just in this really cool growing season within the church. And for me as a youth minister, it's a definite time of ramping up. There's plenty of things that are stressful with figuring out how to get the new year going and how to be able to be prepared for the upcoming education year, as we've talked about. But again, it's an exciting time of year. It's a time where we get to look at and how are we going to grow as a church? How are we going to take the stuff that we've been growing this summer with as we continue that into the fall toward the end of the Pentecost season. What does this all tie together? And I think this week, especially from the gospel text that we will end up getting, it's a hard one. It's not an easy one. It's one that we wrestle with and work with. And I think the last few weeks, Jesus has really been giving us a little bit more difficult text to work through. And I think it's fun to be able to dig in, put our teeth into them, and really be able to work with them and try to figure out how does this work in today's context and what does it mean for our lives. And a lot of times, we're getting these difficult responses back that are hard to think about and consider with what does it mean what we have to leave things behind? What does it mean that we have to continue to grow and be okay with leaving those things behind? And I think it's a fun thing to be able to look at as we're considering that as we get into it. But before we get into this week's text, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, especially with me being an unordained person, it gives me a lot of direction. And it's a very good resource. If you haven't checked it out, I'd highly recommend checking out workingpreacher.org. One final piece of housekeeping before we get into this week's podcast, we have to look at last week's Twitter question, which was simple but yet very difficult. And are you prepared when God calls? And I got a response from a good friend of mine, and he's much older than I am. He's in his early 70s and discussing how when he's listening to the especially the last couple of weeks, thinking about As I'm progressing in this journey of faith to not give up, it's a time of what things have I accumulated that I need to let go of to be able to travel lighter, to be more prepared for what God is calling on next. And I think it's something, especially as a developed country, I know especially here for the United States, we really like clinging on to things. And like we talked about last week, and I think that's one of the things that it's a blessing, but it also can be a curse to us. It's a blessing to be able to have this type of wealth and to be able to be able to collect in that type of form, be able to have enough for a rainy day. But I think there's also a point where we lose flexibility. And especially being a millennial, being a younger person, I think that lifestyle of being more mobile, being more free, and not necessarily being tied down to an area is being popularized. And there's pluses and minuses to it. But I think in this regard, one of the beautiful things with that lifestyle is not having as many physical possessions to tie you down, especially if God is calling you to go somewhere else. And I think it's something that 
we all have to continue to wrestle with and go through. I know for me, I've been almost in this apartment now in northern Minnesota for about a year, and it's amazing how much I've accumulated in that year just having a place like this. So let's get into the text this week and get into this week because we will have some things to definitely talk about. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 56. This is a very interesting reading based off of the last few weeks that we have had. And I think it's a hard and difficult text in a lot of ways. But I think we also have to remember the context in which we're coming at it and still realize there's a lot we can pick up for today. So it's Jesus speaking, saying, I came here to bring fire to the earth and how I wish it was already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized and what stress I am under for it to be completed. Do you not think that I come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division, verses 49 through 51. And then goes through kind of what was going on in the early church, where you're having households turning against each other, where you're having someone come to the faith and the other ones don't, and the infighting that would then ensue because of that. And yet, then he continues with, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it's going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see a south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching wind. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Coming from verses 54 through 56. This idea of being able to understand through learning what different weather patterns mean for people of that area and even today and how much technology we have going into understanding and interpreting the weather, but yet we have a hard time being able to see and interpret and understand the present time. One of the things that was brought up in Working Preacher this week that I think is really important to think about, and it's going back to verse 51, is do you think that I have come to bring, instead of peace, they use the word harmony to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And I think that does give a different image of what God is bringing about. And I think, honestly, and we'll get into this this week, we see this all around us. We see the vision that Christ and God has put into the environment in which we have naturally. And so I think this shouldn't be a reason for concern, but a reason for helping us to understand more what God is doing. And we'll get more into that. The first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 23 through 29. And this is a text where we are getting this image of that we have a God that, yes, you can argue is still far off, but is also nearby, and that is trying to listen to what the people are saying. But often we, especially this case, Jeremiah, talking about that there are plenty of false prophets out there and being able to really understand and interpret what God is trying to tell them and being able to decipher what God is laying out. And it kind of comes to a head right at verse 29. Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces, that the word of God cuts through anything else, all the lies, it just destroys them, it brings them to pieces. 
And again, this idea that you can kind of see with also the gospel text that it's not necessarily bringing things together. It's also breaking things down to their basic levels so that we can be able to understand really what God is all about, but also see through the deceit that we also may be getting fed at the same time. The alternative first reading this week is from Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. In this year of the alternative readings going through a crash course through all these prophets, it's the second week in Isaiah, and then we will move on from there. But this is a weird love song, and it states it in the first verse. But it also shows the love of what God has for us, and yet how often we abuse it. So he uses a vineyard image as being the people of God, and then he planted grapes, and yet it yielded wild grapes. And that from this, as he gets toward the end of this, you get what this is interpreting, and coming from verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judea are the pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. And how often that God is expecting these things from us, and yet we fall so short of them. And that it can be frustrating to God. And I think it's one of those things that we don't hear often enough. The frustration of God, and yet he's not giving up on us, but helping us, like the young children that we are, understanding that this is what I intended you to do, and you turned a blind eye to it. The psalm this week is Psalm 82. And this is where it's a cry to God. This psalm is a cry to God and just asking why? How long must we go through these different times? And how long are we going to feel the suffering before God rises up a nation to be able to be what he had promised us to be? And I think this is an important psalm this week, and I think it's an important thing to be able to discuss, is it is perfectly okay to lament, that it is perfectly okay to be able to be upset with God, to cry out to God, to ask why. One of my personal favorites is I ended up working a Wagner piece in college, which is we sang in German, and one of my favorite words that I ended up picking up was the word why in German, is warum, and there's just times when I am really upset that I love using that because it just feels there's more intensity to it than just this why in the English language. It's it's a stronger word. And I think that's the sentiment that we can kind of pick up out of this psalm in Psalm 82. The second reading this week is out of Hebrews chapter 11 verses 29 through chapter 12 verse 2. And this kind of continues a little bit on the theme that we had last week, and I see it kind of as a bridge gospel to this week's text, and that we have had all these prophets who have continued to obey God and making sure that they didn't fall to the wayside and make sure that they weren't disobedient to what God had been calling them to be. And yet, we also see in there that there are prophets who then were willing to go to death 
essentially for this, understanding that through the pain or through the death that Christ was still going to work that for the better and being willing and able to, again, drop whatever baggage we have. And if God is calling us to this type of commitment, to this type of faith, that we should be willing to be able to go to death for the faith. And it kind of is beautifully kind of wrapped up here in the last two verses coming out of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him has endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This idea that we are looking toward God and that we are going to fall short. We are not God. We are not Jesus. But in that, we can still persevere and push forward and be able to grow in our faith. When I am hearing God and Jesus in the gospel text specifically talk about how he didn't come to bring peace or harmony to the earth, but rather division, I think that's a very liberating text for us. And not a text to be able to pull people apart and say, well, that's then what God has planned. But understanding that God has created us in ways to be able to see things slightly differently than each other, to be able to better understand the character of God. And I would argue, as we look within the science sphere, that this is very evident, that we see this all around us and we just probably haven't considered it. And I would argue that division is one of the most important things within science. And it's so important that we're seeing it today. It's just we aren't getting to the right heart of the argument. And let me explain. When I'm a scientist and if I am going and doing some research study, my goal when I am developing my team, as we've talked about before, is I want people of different specialties on my team. I want people who aren't just yes men. I want people who are inquisitive thinking people who are going to question and challenge my ideas. That's good science. That's where maybe I am studying something and let's say, for instance, bats, but I bring in somebody who specializes in sound and if i propose a hypothesis and they say from the background that i have in sound i would disagree with her hypothesis before you do your study that's a good scientist to have on your team to help work through some of these ideas to be able to create a better hypothesis to begin with so that maybe I may disagree with them and still, through discussion, say, I understand where you're coming from, but based on what I know of bats, I don't think that's going to happen. 
that we at least have that there. We have that discussion. And as we've talked about quite a while ago now, but in a scientific paper, there is a point to bring up discussion. It'd be a perfect thing to put in the discussion some of the commentary that you are able to have and questions on how it might contradict other scientific studies as you were looking and researching into doing this study. This is a fundamental part of science. This is a fundamental part of our faith, that there are times that two people of the faith are not going to see 100% eye to eye. But yet, I would argue that that's the type of division that God is arguing, is that it's okay to have where you're not seeing eye to eye. The point is, is to still respect and love that brother and sister to be able to look beyond that, to be able to work through that, to get to the heart of the issue and still then learn from it. And that maybe you can agree to disagree, but then still work toward a common goal of figuring out more of who the character of God is. I would also argue that it is just purely in the environment in which we are in when you look around. So first and foremost, when you look at an ecosystem, one of the things that's so hard with ecosystems when you are looking and trying to plan, when you're looking at an ecosystem, one of the things that we will try to estimate and approximate is what is the carrying capacity of a specific species within an ecosystem. And the hard thing with carrying capacity is you can go over the theory of carrying capacity. It just means that the population is going to dip. And you can kind of figure out what the really the true max of an ecosystem is because the line will kind of oscillate around this carrying capacity number sometimes going over, sometimes going under, to be able to really find out what that true carrying capacity is. The thing that's very difficult with carrying capacity is any given year or any given time, it can change based on things changing within the ecosystem that suddenly make it prevalent for some bird species to do really well and another bird species not doing so well. This is where we will see forest succession, having where you have some type of opening. Maybe there was a major blowdown, or maybe it's an area where we've slowly watched it come from a prairie succeeding into some type of mature forest, and that forest will continue to change as time goes on. And that makes it difficult then to be able to figure out what the true carrying capacity of an ecosystem is, is because then it is changing. It's constantly changing. And there's so many variables that are going into this that it's a division. It's constantly having plants competing with themselves to make the best advantage for its own self. A great example of this is looking at forest succession. When you think about how a forest comes to be, it goes from like a tall grass prairie where eventually you start getting a shrub layer 
to moving into these softwoods and especially here in the upper Midwest as you slowly progress through you don't have your oaks necessarily coming through right away there are so many other deciduous trees that will come in like your birches and box elders that grow up faster and then they come and then they are adjusting the environment enough for them to flourish to the point where they no longer can thrive the aspen trees that have been growing have conquered so much territory, there is nowhere more for them to grow. That there is a disease that comes in and highly affects that specific tree. And when that happens, it allows an opportunity for the forest to succeed into the next phase of where this forest is going. And we see the change, the division that is going on within the forest. It, it must move on, which leads to the growth of the next thing coming in as the ecosystem continues to turn over. So we see this type of division all around us in nature. And the final step within this is yourself. You yourself have division going on. And it comes from the moment that you were conceived. Because when you were conceived, you had the DNA from your mother and the DNA from your father. And when those two are blended, there had to be compromise. Because some of the genes that are from your mother are recessive, which means they're only expressed if the dominant allele is not there. So you have to have two recessives for it to be presented. And like I stated, then there are some genes that are dominant, which then will just dominate over the other allele. And then you have some genes that it will take the two and mix the two and you get a combination of both. We have division literally built into you the code of yourself is a whole code of division and the body working to figure out how do i interpret this how do i decipher this I think the point that also Jesus is bringing home here at the end is when you're looking at the sky and how they've been able to interpret the weather, how would they get to that point? The way that they have gotten to that point is through observation and talking with other people and working together to be able to understand that when the wind is blowing from the south, that scorching heat was going to come. When there were clouds rising in the west, that it was going to rain. It was through working together that we are able to get to this peace. So just because there is division doesn't mean that that's bad. It means that then we can work together toward figuring this out. It's working together, like in Jeremiah, that we're able to then see through the false prophets that are trying to prophesy to us. It's then in Isaiah where we're seeing and being able to work together where we are our own hypocrites and where we then are causing harm instead of causing justice and righteousness. It is then when we are crying out, how long that we then start to realize that we have a role to play, to turn toward and help build toward what God is building. 
And it's when we have gone through these steps that we not only understand, one, how flawed we are in humbling ourselves before Christ and understanding that Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, as stated in Hebrews, is the one who we are striving to be, but that we aren't that. But then also in the humbling of ourselves, we are then able to realize and interpret and understand more where God is at least telling us to go. We may not understand in that moment what it will lead to or what it fully means, but we at least then have an idea of where God is steering us. It becomes the understanding to us that division is part of what God has designed. And then the question becomes, why? And the reason to me that the why on why he would have division is because he wants us to better understand him. And to better understand him, it means that we're going to have multiple interpretations to be able to have to work through together to figure out where God is steering his people. There are times then we will find that there are things that maybe we've held up as being from God and that it's like a hammer when we're working through it and realizes that there's a piece of it that's good, but a lot of it is a lot of fluff. And when I look at where the church is today, I think there's a lot of things within the traditional church, if we want to put it that way, that probably is a lot of fluff that we either need to start describing or letting go of, or just changing because it isn't carrying the same meaning that it once did. And that it's becoming more of this false prophecy in a way, unintentionally, of course, but that we're becoming hypocrites to what we're saying we're all about. And we don't need to see all these changes within the church as bad divisions, but rather chances for growth, chances that the ecosystem is changing around us. And how are we then going to interpret what is going on, not to change God's word, but to better come to light on a new part of God's character that we previously hadn't understood. These are powerful times and powerful texts to be able to get to the root cause of who we are. We are explorers. We want to understand. We want to create. We want to understand where God is and what God has created for us in an attempt to understand more and more of God. So the Twitter question this week is this, where has division helped you see new life? And where I'm going to leave it at that. So where has division helped you see new life? That can be new life in your faith, new life in your church, new life in your community, new life in the world around you, new life in how you see it or new life in how a community sees it, how a country sees it, how the world sees it. There's a lot of open-ended interpretations to understanding that. But I think it's understanding that division isn't purely bad. That it's through division that we are able to better understand and grow. We see it all around us. So why would we not think that it's happening to us? So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.